2, verses 1 to 8. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sarah Jo. And the reading conveniently stopped before you had to say Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, and and so on. (laughs) Heavenly Father, as we come to your word now, we ask for your blessing, your understanding. We ask for your spirit to fall, that you would set us on fire with love for you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm getting very tongue-tied today because I'm quite excited. I'm excited by our subject. I'm excited by all that we've been doing. This is the penultimate uh, sermon in our series on living his story. Uh, And I know that many of you have enjoyed finding out uh, a little bit about God's story and how, in fact, God's story is woven into our own. We've been able to tell our own story, even though sometimes it may seem rather mundane. And we've practiced telling our story, and bizarrely, the people we tell it to are really excited. And they've enjoyed it. I'll come back to that later. We've looked at coincidences, signposting God's presence, miraculous moments that we might have missed ourselves, but somebody else has said that was God working. We've already learned that God has a story and that is written for us throughout the Bible. More than that, God has become part of our story and we influence others, whether we realise it or not. We're all called to share that story with confidence and boldness and as we found last week, by meeting people where they are. But even though we know it in our head, we need a little help. Because we're still frightened of opening our mouth. And then we're frightened that when we do, there might be some repercussions Perhaps we won't have the words to say. We're going to let ourselves down. It's going to be awkward and embarrassing. And then we're going to let God down. The remarkable thing is that God already knows that. God knows that we need to feel the presence of God at those moments of anxiety, of pressure and of stress. 
So how exciting, how glorious that we have this message today of the coming of the Holy Spirit of God. We may uh, look more closely, actually, at the person of the Holy Spirit in the new year. Uh, But for now, I just want to say that the Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit does all of these things that we say we need. The Holy Spirit prompts us when an occasion arises. He gives us the words to speak. Takes away the anxiety and stress so that the message can be clear. And it's the message of God himself. But, is the Holy Spirit really interested in me? How do I know it's the Holy Spirit? How can I trust the Holy Spirit? You see, we seem happy to know about God, but we stop short of thinking that God is going to work through our lives. There's a disconnect between the history and the person. There was a disconnect here last uh, Saturday. We had the Heritage Open Day, uh, and some of you were here. But we had lots of people coming in to our church to look at it as a piece of history. And they were so excited to be here. And they asked lots of questions about who built it, and when it was built, and when the tower went up, and when it was altered, and when did they put this bit on, and what was it used for? It was used to be called the Tangley Room, and then it was the Grantley Room, and now we call it the Vestry, and we're going to have to change that, because it's another chapel now. They were so excited about the building that they were in. But there was almost no relevance about the person that was in it. There was this massive disconnect which I found really quite worrying. Almost no interest in the God that we meet weekly, daily, hourly, minute by minute, second by second. The building was simply a beautiful edifice of myth. And yet, when we look at God's story and the next chapter in the history of this church, we will see that it's bound up with the people and the people that are led by the Spirit of God, the living person and presence of God. Because God works in our congregation and through our congregation day by day. In small ways, I'm reminded seeing someone in our congregation, they were walking, uh, trying to walk to Guildford one morning, and um, they were struggling to get to the bus stop. But the good news is their neighbour was passing by in a car and picked them up and took them all the way to Guildford, waved goodbye and went off, I think, to Woking. That same member of our congregation went back on the bus, got off the other end and struggled even more to get home. Who should come by? that same neighbour who was returning from Woking and picked her up again and took her all the way home. God's grace in action. And another uh, occasion uh, comes to mind. We had an event here in church recently and uh, a 
and someone was walking their dog around the church. And they were met outside at a little refreshment table we had. And someone said, why don't you go inside? It's much more exciting inside. You could even see the bells. You could even ring a bell today. And they said, oh, I can't because I've got the dog. Quick as a flash, prompting of the spirit, I'll look after your dog. You go inside. It's important. They did. And they came and they emailed me later that afternoon and said, I went inside. My heart was strangely warmed. Have you ever heard that expression before? My heart was strangely warmed. I've lived in Wanish 20 years and only once have I been inside the church. It wasn't a happy experience. But today, I went in and my heart was strangely warmed. Can I come and see you and talk about it more? And they have. And I'm going to meet them again. Hopefully, and again and again. What would have happened if John outside had not said, I'll look after your dog. You go inside. It's more important for you to be inside than out here. The prompting of the Holy Spirit. Enabling something to happen. God's work. Allow me to speak personally. I've, I've dripped in bits of my own personal story as we've been going through this uh, series. But a few years ago, I was at uh, a Christian conference. Uh, and you know Christian conferences. They're absolutely fantastic. But there always comes that point when they say, please come down to the front and I'll pray for you. And you sort of dread it. Oh, I know I should, but I'm just rooted to the spot. Bless them. On this occasion, they said, you can stay in your seat. Yippee! I'm going to come round and see you. And this team of prayers went out into the congregation. I had my eyes closed. But all of a sudden, my... As it is now, my breathing changed. I felt hollow inside. I felt my hair lifting up on my head as if it was on fire. And I opened my eyes and right there in front of me was someone praying. What they were praying, I don't know. But the the sense of this overwhelming drenching of the Holy Spirit was upon me. And as you can tell, it's not something I'm going to forget in a hurry. I'm pleased to say it's happened again. You see, we find the the Holy Spirit at the forefront of every mission and movement of the church that we see. You can go back to the Wesleyan uh, revival, the the Whitefield movement, the Hebridean revival, the Welsh revival, the Toronto blessing, the Holy Spirit moving through every single event. And we sometimes get the wrong impression of mission or evangelism and we wonder how we can possibly do it. What's the simple answer to that? You can't. But God can. God is ahead of us, preparing the way. 
that at the appropriate moment we're asked to play our part. And that may be just one step in that person's overall journey. But without that step, their journey would be different and not what God intends. Sorry, that was an introduction. Let's turn to the passage, shall we? Okay, Acts 2. The gift of the Spirit is for everyone. They were all together in that one place. Now, I don't know if this was just the disciples, because by then it was about 120 in their community. It could have been all 120. Certainly the animation thought so. But, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not just for the leader. This is for everyone. There's no first, no second class Christian. All who call Jesus their saviour do so by the wisdom and understanding given by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit impacts those present in this passage and they begin to speak. Just think how crazy that must have been. Uneducated fishermen probably never travelled more than a handful of miles from their home. They're not well-travelled, they're not educated, they're not confident orators, they're definitely not linguists. But each one begins to speak in a different language. Whoa, hang on! You sure? They take a risk, they keep on speaking, and the people around them are saying, he's speaking my language. They're Galileans, how is that happening? And not just one of them, all of them. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews, Cretans, Arabs. Do you want me to go on? They all hear. They all hear these uneducated fishermen speaking the word of God in their own language. Wow! Ah, but they're drunk. So Peter stands up. And that's why we had the animation. It takes the story a bit further. And Peter gives them a full account of what's happened. He tells them the story of which he was part. Again, a personal story about God. And when our turn comes, we need to be prepared. That's prepared in two different ways. We need to be prepared to tell a story. And we need to be prepared in order to tell a story. It's interesting, isn't it, that virtually all the occasions when Jesus teaches and the apostles witness to their life with Jesus, like this one, they're in a crowd. They're not on their own. They're not at home. And it's right and proper for us to meet together to encourage and support each other. But almost all of our witness, all of our evangelism will not be here. It's out there with our community, with our friends, our family, our neighbours, the shop assistant, the street cleaner, people walking their dogs, on the touchline, wherever it is, that's where our conversations happen. That's where we introduce God. And just as the Holy Spirit came on those disciples, just so he comes to us. We're all responsible for this. And it's been fantastic enjoying each other's company. More have come in since the service has started. So there's a good number of us here. More online. 
but we're together as a community. And there's a real buzz of excitement about what is going to happen in Wanish Church and Blackheath Church. Because we can make a difference where we are. We can make a difference by being relational. So I completely lost my place now. I was getting too excited. Because evangelism is relational. It goes from person to person. Few of us are going to have the opportunity maybe that Peter had. But we all have the opportunity to speak to somebody else. Our friends are interested in us. And the reason why I knew I'd forgotten my place is because I wanted to share something with you uh, that happened on Thursday morning in this church. I did a rather perhaps foolish thing or a brave thing, but I asked everyone in the congregation in our midweek service to share with their next door neighbour something which they didn't know about them. And Chris, you came up to me Did you know Chris played for Middlesex in the Oval? Did you know that? Women's cricket, a a couple of years ago now, possibly before it became televised, but Chris, Chris was in the vanguard of playing women's cricket at the Oval for Middlesex. I I just thought that was fantastic. Yeah. I then told them how I'd been held up at gunpoint, but I'm not going to... Which is true. But that's another story. Because then we went on to see how has the Holy Spirit touched you? And this is where you get very brave. And you say, has the Holy Spirit touched you? And someone there, again, I won't use their name this time, but they said yes. The Holy Spirit touched me and I overflowed with the tongue of the Spirit. And somebody else spoke to me afterwards and said they were on Mount Tabor and the rest on a tour and the rest of the party had gone away uh, to see the view. Uh, And she had been sitting there uh, and thought, I'm not going to go, I'm too tired. Uh, And she heard a voice behind her saying, you don't need to go. Look at the view from here. Everything you can see, I have made and given you. So she looked round to see who was speaking. And there was no one there. God met her on Mount Tabor. And this is happening in our congregation. I'm tempted to ask you now what else is happening you can tell me afterwards over a coffee. As we've seen, the apostles play catch-up throughout the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is, he is moving forward. God is moving forward. We saw that in the story of the Philip and the Ethiopian a couple of weeks ago. But when our turn comes, as we've said, we need to be prepared to give an answer. And so, as I was reflecting on this and looking at the book that we've been following, I read these words from Hannah Steele. The Spirit propelled the church out of its comfort zone to take risks 
and embrace the unfamiliar and the surprising with no rule book to follow. And yet they embarked upon this adventure, trusting that the Spirit was at work. And so the question then remains for us. Where is the Spirit drawing us today? Where is the new place, the new destination to which we are being drawn in witness? Where is the Spirit already at work urging us to make the journey? How is the Holy Spirit impacting on our church? I'm going to share with you uh, a little bit, and I will be brief. I I hope I'll be brief. Uh, Because at the PCC, we've been discussing a vision. Vision that, uh, admittedly, I I started when I sat with God in the quiet. And I reflected. And I believe that God has a real vision and a mission for our churches in Wanish and Blackheath. Blackheath is the most remarkable spiritual place for contemplation, for prayer. And it could be a place of listening, of quiet days, of exhibitions, of drawing people in simply because of what it is. But when they're there, they will meet God. And here, I believe in particular that we are asked to use the vicarage in a different way. And if you're passing tomorrow, you'll see some furniture start arriving. And that will continue over the next uh, couple of weeks as we equip it for something very different. Because we're going to be holding marriage courses there, a marriage preparation and bereavement support, and living with dementia care. We're going to have seniors' teas there. We're going to have hospitality there. We're going to have things in the garden. We're looking at a forest school. We're looking at using the garden for kids. We're looking at so many different things, because we can. Because God wants us to be different for our community. And within that building, there is going to be a small flatlet where someone is going to live. I can't tell you much more about that at the moment. But they will be there in the community, providing hospitality, making sure that things happen, and sharing God's love. Because they're on the spot. Bless them. And pray for that vision as we discern what God wants us to do. But I suppose the question for each one of us and those online is still this. What is God calling you to do in this post-pandemic world? Increasingly, it seems to me that our social interaction is getting smaller. Not, and I mean that by, you know, actually we, a lot of us went to an event on Friday night with 900 of us there to see the Archbishop of Canterbury, which slightly shocked me that the church decided that that was a brilliant idea. But anyway, we were there, and it was great. But actually, I think what he was saying as well was that the time now is for small groups to meet together. What's your small group doing to reach into the community? What is your friendship group doing to reach into the community? How can we reach young families 
who are struggling at the moment, struggling to come back to church, actually. How are we going to reach out to them? What is the next step for our story? Because the stories now are relational. It's about small groups, individuals meeting one-to-one. This church is not just a building. It is a symbol of hope, of the grace and mercy of God. Over countless generations, that gives it history. But it's the historical presence of Jesus Christ, God in our midst, and the Holy Spirit who prompts us to play our part in that journey. That is the story that this church is part of. And we together are writing the next chapter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you draw us together this morning and forgive my excitement and confusion perhaps, but help us to see clearly. Help us to sense your Spirit with us that you may unite us together, give us a clear vision and send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory day by day. In your name and for your kingdom we pray. Amen.